Man, it's so weird because now I'm not imagining like where you possibly could be in this mysterious apartment. Like I know where you are. <laughs> and yeah, when that just, car just drove by, I, I know what that shit you know, was like. You know where that you know where it was in relation to me. You know what window I was looking out of. It's the <laughs> the, uh, the prestige is gone. Totally gone. See, but you you're still left in mystery. You don't you don't know where I am. It's true, I don't. I kind of imagine you just surrounded by cats in, in an oasis of darkness right now. The Big Show! Hello everyone, and welcome to Talking During the Movie, the show where two jackoffs talk about new movies and movie news. I'm Mike. And I'm James. And uh, let's see if I can get this right here. This is episode number 53. Mike and James Seven, Advent Children. Woo! You did oh, it! Oh, good. I was I was taking so much time and care with that one because, uh, well, it could very easily backfire, uh, as, <laughs> as happened in the pre-show where uh, James almost had to call the authorities on me. <laughs> yeah, we don't really have to articulate why. Uh... Well, let's see if you can guess. Um, uh, yeah. Also, I feel like every single time I'm getting closer to just instead of saying jackoffs, just 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 pronouncing it jagoffs, like with like with a G. Two jagoffs. Jagoffs. J a j a g o v z. Z. Jagoffs. We're getting we're fancy jagoffs now. No, we're like extra jagoffs now. Is is. Oh yeah, we're just like edgy jagoffs with green hair. Every letter we get wrong is just another point against us. <laughs> well, this episode actually comes at a, a very disadvantageous time, which I think is a word I just made up. But this, I mean, if at the very least, call it disadvantageous. I mean, disadvantageous it, time. It's probably no more real, but it, at least it's pronounced more correct. If it was real, that's how it would be pronounced. Okay, great, and that's because. For the second time in a row, we're going to be releasing, well, we're recording right now, the day before uh, a new Rogue Rogue One video is supposed to come out. (laughs) Another fucking time. Wow. Yeah, this is happening again. There's supposed to be, it's actually a confirmed trailer that's coming out this time. Last time it ended up being like this awesome sizzle reel. Uh, yeah. And this time, it's a full trailer. Confirmed. We've had a teaser for the trailer that says there's a trailer coming out. And we're not going to get to talk about it in any timely manner again. Uh, they probably do it just to spite us. Yeah, I think that's it. I think you know, the guys the guys at Disney are like, how do we fuck over these guys? Well, I'm just saying, look, if we switch our recording days to Thursdays, and then they start changing when they release Rogue One shit, we'll know. <laughs> no. We'll know for sure. And then eventually we'll be recording on a Thursday. Rogue One will come out on a Friday, and we'll just be like, son of a bitch! <laughs> with with any luck, though, this this time won't be accompanied simultaneously by my computer absolutely shitting itself all over itself. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's right. Did that episode ever get posted? No, that it did get posted. That was our Ghostbusters oh, okay. review. I posted it, like, a day before I posted our episode right after that, because... I was gotcha. just I finished the editing and then so it was just like two or three more days extra of editing I don't know, 
Oh, yeah, but yeah. it's there. It, I just didn't really publicize it. But we did, in fact, review Ghostbusters. We did not like it very much. And we're actually going to talk about it a little bit on this episode. <laughs> we are. Um, <laughs> we should have called that the Mike and James double-decker. That would have been great. <laughs> the um, double-decker. The double-decker. The double-down. The double-down, uh, yeah. <laughs> we are doubling um, down. We are doubling down. <laughs> it means you're gambling with your health. <laughs> That's from Patton Oswald. Yeah, yeah. He's right. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters a little. We're going to talk about some other weird directing news that we don't normally talk about, but we'll make an exception. We, yeah, we we actually had to deliberate on whether or not we would bring this up. I think that, uh, I think we both agreed that we, we should. Um, but we should also probably relegate uh, a relatively small amount of time to actually discussing it. I think because, we put it first. Because then... of the tenuous at best nature of most of these rumors. So, Yeah, I mean, it could be like, I'll, I might have to cut this segment out tomorrow, like that kind of thing. So Yeah, right. Um, and then we're going to review the best movie to come out this week. When it came out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that's true. I'm not sure. I'd have to check what it opened up against. But we're I, reviewing I Suicide Squad. <laughs> actually, uh, let's just let's just figure this out right now. <laughs> so what else came that? Uh, holy well, shit! The Godfather. No. Uh, <laughs> well, I did. Um, I did see Captain Fantastic today, but I don't really think that came out. See, I know where that cop car is. We were just telling you about. I was just telling you about this. Um, that cop car is uh, in uh, the name of Justice. Oh, you know what? Oh, that I fell think flat. Suicide Squad might be the best one because it opened up against Nine Lives. Oh God, was that it? I, that was that was it according to 2016 in film the Wikipedia page. Jesus, Lord mercy, what is wrong with this summer? <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, I had a thought recently about whether or not I'd like to. I was looking at Metacritic, and the two lowest rated films that are out right now are Nine Lives at an 11, and Great. and Hillary's America, The Secret History of the Democratic Party at, at, a, at two. a 2. And I had to think to myself, which one would I rather see? Like, if you told me, gun to my head, oh. go see, go pay to see one of these movies right now. Oh, I have an answer to that. Whole Hillary's America. Day. Hillary's America, absolutely. Yeah. Hillary's America. Um, not not because I give Dinesh D'Souza any credit as a uh, journalist or documentarian or human <laughs> being, but because uh, if that trailer is any indication, you are in for one of the funniest documentaries, unintentionally funny, uh, unintentionally funniest documentaries that you've ever seen. Uh, whereas Nine Lives looks like uh, pretty much every, I can name about five movies that look exactly like Nine Lives. Uh, if, Actually, yeah, Mike and I had a great uh, a great Facebook conversation where I was able to predict details about the movie despite knowing nothing about it. Yeah, and I mean, I, yeah. It's, and it's not because I'm a genius. I promise you it's not because I'm a genius. And to be fair, I didn't even check James against the summary or the actual movie. I just kind of knew. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. They're all in there. It's, um, it's for beat, man. It's It's... It's, it's the same. It's click. This is click. No, it's, except and it, it even has Christopher Walken. It's basically, it, it, it's like click combined with that movie, um, The Shaggy Dog with Tim Allen. It's, it's. I mean, it's that. Yeah, The Shaggy Dog with Tim. I think wasn't that a remake? Yeah, probably. 
but not of anything I've ever seen, so I don't I don't care. I would I, at least Hillary's America. There's something oh. to talk about. It's like oh, oh, in yeah. some capacity, you could have a discussion about that movie. I would watch Nine Lives and walk out like nothing happened in my life. Yeah, no, I would no doubt go see Hillary's America first. It would it would probably be a worse movie, but I would enjoy it so much more. <laughs> now speaking of ghosts, wait. Oh, um, James. Wait, didn't we want to get out the the? You look you look like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> oh, okay. Speaking. Okay, I'm sorry. What did we want? What did we want to get Actually, out? Didn't we want to get get out the the other news? Get that pro- out of the way. Pro- probably. Um. So if speaking of zombies, speaking of zombies, uh, it looks like the World War Z franchise is back from the dead. Oh boy! And uh, you'll never guess who's maybe at the helm. You actually will literally never guess. I would have you. I if someone put a gun to my head and told me to just keep guessing directors until I got it, they would eventually have gotten sick of it and just killed me there. It wouldn't, uh, no. Um, Look, I feel like the weirdest one I would guess would be like Adam Sandler or something. That'd be the most hopeful one I would guess. <laughs> Please? Adam Sandler? <laughs> He's just running through an apocalyptic wasteland. Zabladoo! <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we normally don't do news like this. We don't normally do, like, this person is in talks to direct this movie. It's such, like, a non-news story because, because even if it is true, it doesn't. It hardly says anything about it. And, like, the, the basically the precedent for stories like this is, like, I heard from my daughter that her friend saw David Fincher. It's David Fincher. <laughs> it is David Fincher, yeah. Saw David Fincher like fifteen meters from the World War Z set. Therefore, the, no, like the stories almost have no basis in reality. But uh, in this case, uh, well, a it's David fin- David fucking Fincher. So you know we can you know we decided to make an exception. And B, um, supposedly Brad Pitt is the one uh, asking going to Fincher and asking him and uh, advocating for him to the studio. And if uh, insider reports are to be be believed which they aren't ever but if they are then those talks are going better than expected better than you would expect and this would mean that david finch's career would have come full circle starting from alien 3 god and now here we are at world war z2 See, David Fincher has disowned Alien 3, and, and based on your criteria, I'm actually willing to grant him it. Like, I think that if he had won anything for Alien 3, the way he talks about it, I honest to God do not think he would accept it. You know, that is you know, that is a criteria. That is not my criteria. My criteria is if you accepted a paycheck for it, you directed uh, it. Ah, uh, okay, so you are even less forgiving. No, I'm way less forgiving. Yeah, because, I mean, come on. You sat in the director's chair, whether or not you did shit. You sat in the director's chair. You let them pay you money mm-hmm. to say you directed this movie. Mm-hmm. And so instead of, like, voicing your concerns or just leaving the project, which I understand, especially at an early point in the career, that is not a practical option. But given that, though, you can't just sit there, collect a paycheck, and then say, yeah, fuck that movie. It's, yeah. 
what if he needed that paycheck and used to finance a future film? Like to me, and that's like, what I okay, mean. There is look, there is legitimate practicality. The the Oscar criteria is more like that's what I would follow because to me it's it's because it's we're not debating whether he literally directed Alien Three. Of course he did. No one's denying that. Um, of course he literally directed it. No matter no amount of of distancing from it will um, will you know erase that. But what he is arguing for is like the actual artistic canon of his work and and that he would exclude alien alien 3 from it and my criteria for that would be okay well if you would exclude alien 3 for that then you would, then you would not accept artistic merit for that movie financial merit that's a completely separate thing but artistic merit i i honest to god think you would not accept any award that he was given for alien 3 i'm willing to uh pretend like he didn't make it okay you know, it's it's fair. I I don't know. There's something that just strikes me as I don't know, rude almost <laughs> to say like, well, well, what are we paying it's, for? It's, like, it's it's. I would say it's more rude to like the craftsmen and actors and writers who worked really hard on that movie. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It's rude. But you know, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, t- see, so this this World War Z story. To me, the most difficult part of it to believe is is this. Or I'm reading the Hollywood Reporter version, and uh, the hardest line for me to believe is this one right here that says Fincher also has plenty of room in his schedule. Really? He well, does. He's doing like a lot of TV work. I mean, that's what I was thinking, but I mean, maybe not. I just it seems like Fincher was kind of at a zenith in his career. You know, like he was. Uh, I mean, I know he's not actively doing House of Cards anymore, but like that he was expanding into new territories, and you know he just had he had success with Gone Girl a couple years ago, and I, I'm just surprised to hear he's not really doesn't really have anything lined up even right now. So I don't know. I feel like though, if anyone convinces him, it'll be. Yeah, I mean, how many times have they worked together now? Was it like three, three times? Yeah, it's Fight seven clubs. Fight Club. Eh. Benjamin Button. And Benjamin Button, yes. Yeah. They're, uh, and I mean, you know, they just, uh, they work well together. I just, I wonder if maybe this would result in a huge twist where uh, the zombies were really just an extension of Brad Pitt's psyche all along. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> the shocking twist. <laughs> no, I, no, I am trying to imagine what a David Fincher, and I think that's probably ultimately what he's mulling. Like, he just made himself a pretty well-known filmmaker and developed such a distinctive style that it's been well, in particular in he usually writes the films that he no he never he never writes the films ever what am i thinking of i don't know david fincher's david fincher has never had a single writing credit on one of his feature films that's actually a notable thing i have down about him because he's somehow able to create like honestly i think david fincher is one of the most like strong arguments for auteur theory in modern cinema because he <laughs> he doesn't write at all in a, in an era where i think we prize directors who are writer directors more mm-hmm. um david fincher has created this like incredibly definitive body of work that's immediately identified with david fincher um without writing a single word of it <laughs> oh yeah i mean uh, i guess he works a lot in adaptations i don't know why i uh, thought otherwise regardless it's he's able to create such a distinctive stamp on films, and what could he really do with World War Z that could 
change uh, I, that. I don't know. I, I would. Okay, so here's the here's the uh, my summation the summation of my thoughts on this i would fucking love it not just because i love david fincher but because like to me david fincher is the the best art you're gonna get in a multiplex like he's the best director that you're gonna get that's gonna be playing in mainstream cinemas that like realistically like teenagers shopping at the mall might go to so like, I, I would probably make would, an argument for like Chris Nolan somewhere in there, but that's okay. okay fair enough. But Chris, yeah, that, that that's a good point. Um, him, him or Chris Nolan, I think they're on, uh, I, I think they're on, um, within the same conversation, but, um, Oh God damn that Dunkirk trailer. Um, shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, it's okay. just like a, what is it? A 20 second teaser. And you're like, yeah, oh. it's, it's, I, I, that has gone down as one of my favorite teasers of all time. Yeah, yeah, it really has. I know it doesn't show much, but it it hints perfectly. I I'm in awe. I it was sets I, the tone really well too, and that's I, important. Like I know oh, what I, kind of movie I'm gonna get. I I sat there. That was the last trailer that played before Suicide Squad, and I just there was like 20 minutes of darkness after the trailer, and I just like I had my jaw open. I was just like, oh my god. I was ugh, God, I love it. Um, anyway, um. But man, I would lo- like for so for a director that good to take on, you know, something as poppy as World War Z. I I love that. I'm all about it because, look, I love crowd pleasers that are made by artists, and this is a summer that I feel super left down, super let down by the stuff that has come out of mainstream Hollywood. I would really like something to surprise me again and if, you know unfortunately the only two directors who can consistently surprise me with their mainstream output is david fincher and like you mentioned chris nolan i probably wouldn't have even mentioned him if you didn't remind me so <laughs> so yes i'm all for david fincher taking this project because i like when david fincher i like when david fincher does anything but you know if, if studios are going to recognize his talent and and capitalize on it for big productions mainstream pictures why the fuck not we have so little of that nowadays so okay um, well so, i if i could you know ask this question to Please. sort of nail down the original point i was trying to make have you seen world war z um uh, bits on hbo i've yeah, never been so, able to watch the whole movie so it wasn't like what could david fincher conceptually my argument wasn't what could david fincher conceptually do with a post-apocalyptic zombie movie in that franchise it's what could he do f- as a direct sequel to the original that would do anything because that film is a mess it, 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 this would be like, oh, David Fincher's in talk to direct in talks to direct the Amazing Spider-Man three. It's well, like, so well, he's been given a huge pile of shit. Well, so I don't really know. Yeah, but the thing is, when he starts, okay, so I don't know how World War Z ends. I didn't see the ending. Um, I don't really care if you spoil it for me. But I mean, it, using the Spider-Man example, like, well, yeah, he, but he's left with a Peter Parker who is who just lost uh, his the love of his life and who has just found his purpose again and is entering the world he, he can he can take the character bits from the from the from spider-man 2 and just go in a completely different direction i don't see why he couldn't do that with world with world war z like was there anything plot wise that would prevent essentially a uh self-contained story for the sequel well you know i'm I'm not. I'm honestly not even sure where they'd go for it. So the the end of it ends up being that Brad Pitt figures out 
that the zombies ignore sick people oh. because they're they, sick people don't make good hosts for the virus to spread. Oh. Okay. So um, he g- injects himself with a sickness that's curable, um, and then he's able to just like walk right by them all the time, mm-hmm. forever. <laughs> um, but but he's sick. Yeah, but not like dying sick. <laughs> oh, okay. Like he's got the sniffles. Yeah, I, don't, I can't remember exactly what they. <laughs> um, how about World War Z to Brad Pitt's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Where, where he just it's like, where he, zombies. <laughs> where he just feels really crummy, and he has to learn that sometimes you get sick, but that you can deal with it. <laughs> That's uh that's a very possible. See, this is why I'm this is why I'm struggling to find out where where the franchise could go from there anyway. I, I would you know? I would pay so much money to see David Fincher's Brad Pitt's horrible, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, look, I'm just saying, unless he is okay. Look, look at it. Okay. Look at Evil Dead 2, alright? You can, you do not... You are not slave-bound to the first... No, film. yeah, Evil Dead 2 was pretty much like... Uh, so Evil Dead 1 happened, kind of, uh, but here's how we're going to continue from there. I mean, honestly, what they should do... And this would actually be really funny, because it would be like a huge act of betrayal on David Fincher's part, but uh, he would like cut Brad Pitt loose and just do another film, a completely different story within the same universe of World War Z to make it more in line with the actual book World War Z. That would be incredible. But, you know, it's probably No, not. you know what? It would even be cool if Brad Pitt just stayed in there playing a different character. Like, that's fine. You know? That's true, although that might be a little distracting. But yeah, all right. That's, yeah, I mean, that'd be fine. <laughs> Anyways... Look, I'm I'm excited. Um, I will go see David Fincher's World War Z. But I, I, oh shit, I, also, I will too. I just I, I also feel the need to say I will bet money this will not this will not happen. I will bet money this will never happen. Now, will you bet money that I I won't that I I'll have to take this out as of tomorrow? What you'll oh this whole segment i'll have to take this segment out as of tomorrow uh, i think it's about 50 50 on that so i know you're gonna butcher it because i think i just went off on like spider-man 2 tangents for a while but oh no i i invited that spider-man 2 tangent i think it was a good conversation to say like yeah, what yeah. could david fincher do with flawed source material i mean i would see david fincher's amazing spider-man 3 but you know um david oh my god david fincher's sinister six what can Oof. we what can we use him for? Anyway, I mean it's not um, as enticing as the 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 ill-fated George Miller's Justice League, but that's that's a close second. Oh my god. Oh, could have happened. Could have been. Um uh, Yeah, I um I think it's But critics still would have hated it cuz it's a DC movie. Mm, um I forgot we're reviewing a DC movie. I was thinking to myself, like, man, if only we were reviewing a, a DC movie, we could talk more about that. <laughs> um, no, I, I, we are, and I have a line for it that I specifically thought of during this movie, and I will try to remember and uh, bring it up. Do you want to just, like, scratch it down on a notepad real quick? <laughs> yes. we got to make sure this show is top-notch. Uh, 
I'm really clever. And you're cute. And you're totally not fair. This movie is trash. I was gonna, no, 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 that was trash. A, fuck, you took my joke. I'm like, oh man, he's gonna love it. This movie is trash. <laughs> and nasty trash in two words. And super gross trash in three words. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> criticism, yay. Um. All right. Okay. Uh. So. Uh. We move. But you know, James, what happens to all the zombies when when they die? Zombies they must, don't die. Well, when they do, they never die. They, they, they no, they, 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 they do, and then they turn into ghosts. Ghosts aren't real. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Fuck, I'm, I'm not good at this co-hosting. James, 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 you broke my segue. Please have it repaired. Um, I got nothing, man. Um, uh, oh wait, you did talk about pe- people. Oh, that you would you would spend your money. You know what people aren't spending their money on? Oh shit, <sighs> Ghostbusters. There's like a who you're gonna call joke there, but I don't know. It's like losing a lot of money. Go bankrupt. It almost sounded like goosebumps. Go bankrupt. There you go. Ghostbusters is uh, well. Turns out we're all just a bunch of fucking sexist, according to Paul Feig. Well, uh, he, he didn't actually say that directly, but... Uh, Judd Apatow said that. Judd Apatow said, if you don't like Ghostbusters, you're a Trump supporter. Which means you're a sexist. Mm, well, it means you're a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and apparently the world has... Like, look, let's just hope Judd Apatow is wrong come November, because right now, Ghostbusters is heading for a $70 million loss, if not more. Yeah, like, $50 million is a conservative estimate. Um, but yeah, it's it's not looking good. And I, you know what? I remember saying in, my, in our review of this that I don't like this, but from a utilitarian perspective, if this movie does well, it'll be good for the film industry. And fuck... Here I am, and this is why I'm... I'm nope, I, I... Okay, go ahead. Well, the story upsets me. It doesn't upset Mike as much, and we'll get into Not, this No, discussion. it doesn't upset me at all. Not even a little. And it doesn't upset me that a, a bad movie is doing bad at the box office. Um, but it upsets me... I'm more upset at the core concept that this movie, what was a very important movie, to be good is bad and it's very important because studios always learn the, learn the wrong lo- fuck I can't talk studios always learn the wrong lesson from these sorts of things and they'll say oh see look people don't like movies with all women in it so we need to not make any more movies with all women in it Ugh. and that's gonna okay. happen I mean it's the same thing with like like if the Supergirl show which I've heard is okay at least if that was bad they would they would not touch like they would have not touched uh, female-led superhero movies or TV shows for a long time. Like, the Wonder Woman movie probably wouldn't have happened, and I mean that. The Wonder Woman movie probably wouldn't have happened if Supergirl wasn't at least profitable. 
I don't think that's quite true. I think they still would have made a Wonder Woman movie. Look, the last um, time that there was a really bad, there were two, there was a string of two really bad female-led superhero movies, Catwoman and Elektra, and it took them, it, it's taken them more than a decade to make another female female-led superhero movie slash TV show. More than a decade. So yeah, I, I'll double down on that. It is weird that like Ant Man gets a movie before like. Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder um, Woman. I, mean, I had look, never the, heard of Ant Man before. Like, I don't know the 2010s at least. Like, everyone knows who Wonder Woman is. Yeah, um, and I mean, you know, Captain Marvel's getting a uh, a movie too, and um, you know, it's uh, that like, seems as much like a direct response to DC as you could possibly have. But yeah, I I know. Like to me, if 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 we're gonna live in a world where superhero films are this much are, are are this huge a part of the gross revenue coming in from Hollywood, to me it's impossible they're not gonna try and diversify their uh, demographic a little bit. And I know I'm speaking about this as a business, but that's exactly how they talk about it too. Um, I don't think it's a matter of like, oh well, superhero female-led superhero films have a precedent of not doing well. Um, I think it's more just a matter of like, hey, there are female superheroes. We want to work them. They're, they're valuable properties and we want to work them into our universe we're going to make a movie about them like no matter what um uh, and even like beside that point i think that you are giving ghostbusters way too much credit that any sort of market look to me that, that, that any market was hanging on it other than the idea of a uh like the idea of rebooting a beloved franchise with a gender bending twist like and to me, if that's what is Hollywood's not going to be convinced to do anymore, of good fucking riddance. I don't need that bullshit. So, like we have, we have films like Mad Max Fury Road and Star Wars: Force Awakens, introduce like I, I mean, led by women. I know Mad Max is named after Max, but I would be hard pressed to argue that he is actually the main character of the film. It's Furiosa's movie, um, and the plot centers around women. Uh, and Star Wars First Awakens, the main character is a woman. These are not movies that are marketed as, look, it's Star Wars, and it's Mad Max, but this time with gulp women? Girls. Girls! Which is exactly hey, how... Girls are badass. Get over it. Get over it, nerds. Like, there was something so like nasty and hostile about ghostbusters well, adversarial put in the best was, way adversarial is probably the most accurate way and like i will say this it's not like paul feig did the advertising for ghostbusters but he was a, like he has been kind of insufferable he wrote an, an article about why like why men aren't funny and it's obviously a satire it's like um like flipping the argument of why women aren't funny, which I didn't know anyone was still making. Um, well, that's the whole thing about these arguments. They seem and, like they're arguing to a very small minority, if anyone. Right. Like I don't. I just like maybe I'm an optimist, and I'm I'm totally open to the idea that I do not have this perspective as a straight white male. I I don't get it, but I just don't see a world where people are not going to a movie because women are in it. Like I don't. I don't know that world. I didn't. I don't think that that's our world. And if it is, I like that sucks. I really did like did not know that. Because um, to me, it seems like we have plenty of like we're we're getting more and more female representation in beloved big budget franchises, and it's done so well. So like, 
for it to still have to be like a gimmick that we're gonna gender swap the entire like Ghostbusters cast and um and mind you I wouldn't fucking care if the movie was good it was just like half asked it so hard that if this is like if this is gonna prevent them from doing this to more beloved franchises fucking good I have a hard time being regretful or sorrowful about that mainly because I don't see this having an effect on female led big budget movies. Well, yeah, and we've talked about we talked about that point before, and that people people have brought up points that gender swapping movies doesn't do anything really because you're not creating new and original female memorable characters. Like I'm gonna right. remember Furiosa and Ray, you know Daisy Ridley, way more than I am gonna remember anyone from Ghostbusters. I don't even remember their fucking names, their characters. Oh, names. I don't. One of theirs was Abby. I oh, you got Abby. Her. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember if that was Melissa McCarthy's character or Kristen Wiig's character, but one of them is named Abby. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. It's just I, I don't know. So they could they could make original characters and have them be so much better and so much more memorable, or they could just gender swap people and take this what we were talking about before with this shortcut to representation. You know, it's funny because this is going to happen again pretty shortly. It's been in the news that uh, the Oceans movie, they're doing a all-female all Oceans. All right, well. So, in, I mean, look, maybe they'll do a good job at that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm willing to give it a shot. But just, like, to me, if you're making that the gimmick of your movie, it's not really equal representation. It's just, like, in fact, it's kind of, like, still putting women as, like, the other the alternative the the you know the opposite of the male. like it's just it's it's putting it it's defining it in relationship to the male characters rather than like you said creating original characters so to me like if you want to argue that the characters in ghostbusters were original characters i will strongly disagree with you i think they're like caricatures of what each of the four ghostbusters in the original film were trying to go for so i i just i would like i I would rather see new franchises with, you know, or not even new franchises. I would just rather see new women playing new characters rather than just reallocating characters that already exist. It's kind of like the same argument with, like, with superheroes. You know, like, why we get, you know, Batman and Superman and Spider-Man. These are all original characters. And then, like, for the female characters other than Wonder Woman, you get, like, Batgirl, Supergirl, like the female variants of <laughs> male characters, like you know, to me, like that's still and the same thing with the Ghostbusters. It just, I, it reads like a gimmick to me, as opposed to, you know, actually giving them the dignity of being their own character. Well, I can see that on a surface level analysis, but yes, they did in the comics. They did I'm not I'm go not, on to create them. Of course, but I know, of course, fully. Just, I know, I know, but still, like I. Just the principle of and and you, most of that character development happened. I'm assuming well into the 70s and 80s. Most yes, of those you're definitely right. <laughs> most of those characters were introduced in the 50s, and you know that those comic book covers were like, "What? That's not Superman. That's a girl." Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's still just got like like the faint taste of that. And I don't see how that's like progressive in its gender politics in any way. So, you know, it's uh, look I, like I said, I have a hard time feeling bad about the story. If Ghostbusters was successful, I would feel bad about or not successful. If it was a, uh, I mean, successful in making me laugh, then I would feel bad about it. I wish 
I mean, I have no reason to wish it ill will. I would rather have more good movies in the world, but goddamn Ghostbusters was painful to sit through. And if this is going to, you know, if, if I'm not going to be sad that people didn't vote to get more of this with their dollars. Fair enough. I have we just had like a lot of bad movies still. <laughs> really bad, really bad movies. This has not been a good summer. I mean, I think like the the best movie we reviewed so far has been The Secret Life of Pets, which I didn't much care for, but you liked a little bit at least. I liked a little bit. Um, no, I think the best movie of the summer, and I count this as a summer movie because it's when uh, the market for summer movies begins, is a, a Civil War. Oh, okay. All right. I thought that, you were gonna that, say that's... something like Swiss Army Man or. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I mean, but like as... big tentpole movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I liked Swiss Army Man more as a movie, but I'm saying like that's not. That's not a summer blockbuster film, you know. I liked I liked both Swiss Army Man and uh, Hunt for the Wilder People more, I think. Of but course, yeah. I love both. Actually, I love both those movies. But um, Ricky Baker. Uh, Ricky Baker. Ah. Okay. Fuck. Oh, it's so good. Um. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, like the summer started out really strong with Civil War, and it. I mean, I'd be hard pressed to find another yeah i'm hard pressed to find another film uh big budget blockbuster tentpole film that didn't that wasn't just a come down from that like i know that uh i see that marvel check is it's working its magic huh okay seriously stop floating the check because i have my line and i have to save it and i can't use it right now <laughs> okay all right all right stop it all right well let's let's move on to the to the checks that uh people aren't writing for warcraft yeah so uh, on the theme of films that are just not doing well no I'm, when, when mike told me about this i just i didn't i didn't believe it almost because i was like oh wait no, no no that film was profitable right no oh I oh, mean, it's only, yeah, it's only based on the most successful video game franchise of all time. Uh, I knew it to be really profitable, especially in China over, and overseas in general. Everyone was loving it, so I was like, okay, here we go, a Warcraft franchise is happening. But despite being the highest grossing video game movie of all time, because of its massive budget and f- completely flat appeal in the United States, it's also going to lose around the si- similar amount to Ghostbusters. Yeah, about uh, um, a little less. I think this one's about 40, 30 to forty million. Um, it's expected to lose, but yeah, it, it made a killing overseas. But no one here is actually interested in Warcraft. Um, and like, it's still getting you know, like like you said, it still gets the title most successful video game movie of all time. Um, but I think that is more not so much a credit to it. But a that like but an insult to the video game movie industry. Which, um, let me tell you, as the as the video game expert between the two of us, it's a sad, sad world we live in. Well, I I'm not blind. There's not been a single. I don't think there's been a single, like video game film that's come out that's garnered overall positive, uh, an overall positive response. Um, I mean, I think. Well, I mean, that, unless you're talking about like. I mean, there's been some animated films that come out of ja- that come out of Japan that have been pretty good. Like there's a there's a Phoenix Wright movie that I hear is pretty good. Oh, and okay. I suppose you could even maybe count the uh, 
Uh, at least one. You could find at least one Pokemon movie to go to bat for. Uh, I don't know. I remember like looking at a list. I think it was maybe on Rotten Tomatoes, and at the top of that list, as like the best reviewed, was the Prince of Persia with Jake Gyllenhaal. Woo! <laughs> I, mind you, Jake Gyllenhaal plays a Persian. Uh huh. And it's. I think it was at like forty or fifty, something like that. And that was the highest review. That was the best reviewed video game movie. Um, so. And a lot of people have a place in their heart for um, Mortal Kombat. Apparently, but, uh, for some reason, I don't. I don't really get that. I've seen Mortal Kombat. It's <laughs> pretty bad. I like. This seems to be a franchise that is neither financially nor critically lucrative. So, uh, um, now the reason I think this is interesting is not that it's a surprise. But, like, I mean, I, it, like, I don't know. We live in a time right now where things that are unfashionable in one decade in cinema just completely blossom the next. I mean, it, it, I, I know it's hard to remember, but, like, 14 years, even, like, 14 years ago, 14 years ago, 2002, that's when the original Spider-Man came out. Uh, like, before then, it's it's not just that superhero films weren't really like as profitable as they were now and that there weren't as many of them they were barely even being made i know (laughs) crash and superhero movies in like the late 90s it was basically like batman and robin superman 4 superman 4 might have come earlier but like well fuck and i mean joel schumacher was uh, pretty much ready to put the final nail in superheroes coffin oh yeah and then there was like a bunch of shit like steel which no one saw with shaquille o'neal uh it's it's amazing um <laughs> i just a bunch of shit that no one saw and then i guess maybe in like 2000s when it started coming back with like the original x-men um despite halle berry's horrible line um mm. and <laughs> the same thing that happens, what happens when a movie's struck by lightning <laughs> the same thing that happens to everything else um but you know then uh spider-man came out made a shit ton of money and that sort of began what would eventually blossom into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I know it's not, you know what I mean. It, like, you know, led to that eventually. It it laid the brick. Laid the bricks. It's not like it was part of it, but um, directly. But, yeah, it laid the bricks and eventually blossomed into was maybe, what is definitely one of the most lucrative film franchises of all time. So things that are just not doing it at one point in time can completely, you know, change course and blossom and i'm not convinced that that won't happen with video game movies and my question is aside from whether it will or not uh when it'll happen and i know there were a lot of people speculating that this warcraft film was going to be it it's clearly not um but uh there is still hope and i'm still holding out a bit of hope um that maybe this year we'll begin to see that shift because um i just saw a trailer for the upcoming Assassin's Creed movie. And, you know what? I've been, I've been heavily scrutinizing is the best word that trailer. I'm, I'm looking for flaws. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know what? You, you can find some. Yeah, it's it. I'm. It's actually holding up pretty well. Just the trailer, just the advertising. It doesn't really say anything, and it does have talent behind it too, with Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard. And, who have both done crap before. Let's let's not forget. They yeah, are not but, infallible. 
but they're also two of the best actors working today. And you got a director like Justin Kurzel, who, while not a huge name, uh, has directed one of my favorite Shakespeare adaptations of all time. Uh, last year, Macbeth, I finally, I, I have seen it. Uh, oh, it's, God. It's incredible. You um, like that? You did. Oh, man. <laughs> I did like it a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm sad but, that you don't. Let's not get into an on the contrary about that now, but <laughs> uh, later. Suffice it to say, my take was very different. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, say what you will. I think that showed a lot of promise, and I'm excited to see its Assassin's Creed movie. It 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 just looks like it's got more talent behind it than any video game adaptation film that I've ever seen. I like I will say that much. It's got And that's like, probably a very fair analysis. Like like Duncan Jones helmed Warcraft and while he is definitely a talented director, he was probably the biggest artistic asset that it had going for it. Um I wasn't holding my breath. This I I mean, I'm kind of hard-pressed to find someone who I don't love being a part of this production. Um, I mean, Michael K. Williams is in it. Uh, Brendan Gleeson. Jake Irons, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, it's it's just a, sh- it's a smorgasbord. It's a smorgasbord of incredibly talented artists. Um, I, I'm just saying I feel comfortable in hoping for the best, but I guess we'll see. And if this doesn't work, I honest to God do not know what will do it. Well, there is the other one, and that's the um, Alicia Vikander led Tomb Raider. Okay, that's coming out in two thousand eighteen. You know, some people do like the Tomb, Ra- Tomb Raider movies. I'm not one of some them. Some people are stupid. <laughs> some people, some people do. Some people are stupid. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Trump's polling at forty percent. So. <laughs> god god damn it we are not going to get into politics on the show talking are- politics during talking during the movie <laughs> well wouldn't be any different than than the old people in my viewing of suicide squad no. were there old people talking politics no. during suicide squad <laughs> oh no i'm joking but that would that would have been funny particularly because i saw it well, it, in I, the I, evening on a weekday so well, i suppose the real question should have been there were old people at your showing of suicide squad <laughs> Oh God! Uh, yeah, if look, okay, you know what? we're we're getting there anyway. Let let me just say this: um, if 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 I were an old person and I didn't understand young people and I tried to by going to see Suicide Squad, I would full on hate young people afterwards. I would. <laughs> uh, that's that's a good line. <laughs> just like fuck you! You're all nihilists. Go burn in hell. I don't I don't care. Which I'm pretty sure is. I'm pretty sure is the rant that is building up inside of uh, uh, David Error, and uh, he just needs to get drunk enough to let it all out on Twitter. <laughs> well, I mean, he's already. I think. I think he's made his made some comments about it recently. I know Jared Leto has. I don't know. Well, Jared Leto. No one expected Jared Leto to be quiet about this. As <laughs> no, no one, one expected sh- Jared Leto to be quiet. Um, Will Smith hates Jared Leto, which is awesome. I didn't know that at all. I yeah, I as if I needed more reason to like Will Smith. <laughs> uh, um, 
I still have to say that David Ayer is one of those filmmakers, even after Suicide Squad, who's made exactly uh, one good movie. But that's also because I haven't seen Fury, so... Yeah. So maybe yeah. it's two. <laughs> um, you know, I've heard mixed things. Um, some people really love Fury. Um, the most intense love I've ever heard for it compared it to Saving Private Ryan. Mm. And not totally unfavorably. But uh, also, though, that that's a pretty extreme opinion. So, you know, I wouldn't quite be prepared for that. But, you know, I'm, I, I, there's definitely some good things that I've heard about it. So, But cool. uh, not so many good things that we've heard about this movie. Yeah, let's, let's officially bust into the, our review of Suicide Squad, the squad of suicides. <laughs> The squad that will make you want to swallow cyanide pills. Actually, Cyanide Squad's a pretty cool name. I actually think that's a much cooler name. Oh man, that's like this sounds like an off-brand. <laughs> like that sounds like that sounds like the mockbuster that I will see released straight to DVD later <laughs> this year. Cyanide Squadron. Cyanide Squad. <laughs> Squadron. Oh, Squadron. Yeah, I suppose they probably want to make it even you gotta more. Be just obscure. a little bit. Yeah, gotta, gotta be a little bit different. Look, if that actually happens, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> but... oh, I'm buying it. I will buy it. No, so, Mike, <laughs> you have gone yeah. on record yes. several times, and I have joined you on that record saying the but Suicide I, but Squad. I, but I started the record. You did. You did start the record. <laughs> the record up. And I, and I put on that record that despite the enormous amount of hype surrounding it, despite every other fucking day a new piece of footage from it, for that movie coming out, despite the big-name stars in it, despite all the studio advertising money going into marketing this whale, that I thought Suicide Squad was going to be pretty bad. Um, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to admit, James, it was god-awful. <laughs> It, it made me never want to go to the movies again. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> In fact, I quit. No, no. <laughs> now you're just shoveling shit. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It was, it was pretty close to a disaster. To me, it's as close to a, di- of a disaster to a, 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 oh my God. Let me, let me use words in that sentence now. Um, it was as close to a disaster as a superhero movie can get without going full Fantastic Four. <laughs> like I would put like I would put it like one tier above it above Fantastic Four but I mean that's about it you know I I'm not gonna I, I, this is not the this is not the only time that I've compared Suicide Squad to Fantastic Four recently <laughs> it, it, it practically compares itself to Fantastic Four it's got the same fucking visual of a beam going up into the sky uh huh and then the same. I mean, basically, actually, the, parts of the parts of the one done in Fantastic Four were were really powerful. The when they shot to the planet and you'd see things like trees and shit just would, flying up. Like that was actually act, pretty powerful. You, you would see the actual impact of this of this villain on humans. Like, yeah, right. People. Um, whereas in Suicide Squad, I okay. Um, Suicide Squad is about these cool villains, but they're villains, so they're not really that cool. What? But then okay. someone makes them uh, do good things by putting in suicide bombs in their necks that they can blow up at any time. So it's not really suicide; it's more like murder. But 
uh, and then uh, this one guy is like he can he can do fire, but he's like really sad because he kill people and doesn't <laughs> like like it. And then there's this other guy who's Will Smith, and he's all like, "Welcome to Earth," but he's got a daughter, and uh, and the daughter's really I nice. Got a daughter. <laughs> God damn it! I look. Actually, I really want to talk about that because somehow this. Okay, I'll I'll save it for like two minutes. Um, and there's this there's this chick who's like just like really hot, and that's that's about her whole character. And uh, despite the fact that it's Harley fucking Quinn, who's got one of the most tragic or- origin stories in fucking Batman mythos, in the entire Batman mythos, somehow they fucked. And then there's like this pimp who puts makeup on and tries <laughs> to be the Joker. <laughs> and everyone knows he's not the Joker. because Everyone knows Joker's he's not the Joker. He, in an insane uh, asylum. <laughs> And then there's this guy who looks like a crocodile who's in the movie for about two seconds. <laughs> and then there's Jai Courtney who looks exactly like Tom Hardy, except it's not Tom Hardy. I know, and, that, that was really funny. He was actually previously cast, I think. Oh, Tom Hardy was cast as Rick Flagg. Yeah, and then... Oh, really? Oh, it was Rick Flagg he was cast as? Yeah, uh, he wasn't originally cast as, as Boomerang. He was originally oh, cast as Rick, Fla- Rick Flagg. Well, but how have, distracting would that have been? He must have left the movie when he realized that they cast his, like... Off-brand copy. <laughs> I heard Tom Hardy was originally in talks for the movie, and I just assumed it was for Boomerang because. No. Boomerang. Oh my god. What happened is that he had scheduling conflicts because he was also appearing in the movie as Captain Boomerang oh <laughs> under the guise of Jack Courtney. <laughs> oh. oh. It's like, sorry, I can't do this role in the movie. I'm already in this movie. (laughs) Jai Courtney is not worthy of bringing Tom Hardy his coffee and Danish in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Okay, so... So this movie is... as I mean, come on. Look, as a comic book fan, Suicide Squad is as close to a blatant excuse for fan service as you could possibly get. It It is on the same tier as the Avengers, which is just like... Man, it'd no, be so cool no, if all these people could be in the same thing. Fucking dare! Don't, don't you? No, no. Okay, don't you? Di- don't don't bring in cinematic proportions here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the base comic book fan service that okay. an amalgamation of multiple okay. big name people is, okay, and that's fine. what Suicide Squad is. Okay, fine. But like, I'm just saying, if you want a flimsier look, at least the Avengers have a plausible reason to exist. No, in this, this movie, it is complete this, bullshit. This is, this is okay. I am, honest to God, baffled that, like, that this was deemed a strong enough premise to actually, like, balance this plot upon. Because how the fuck, Viola Viola Davis plays the, uh, uh, oh my God, Angela Waller is that her name? Yeah, well, um, Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller, excuse me. Um, Amanda Waller who is, I actually know this character, and I'm not a huge DC reader, but I had seen her before, I think in Smallville, um, and I, I had I was aware of her character in the comics, and she's got like a pretty prolific uh, uh, backstory. And to be fair, I actually think of Yola Davis does a phenomenal job with the, you know, 20 minutes of, 15 minutes tops, I guess, of screen time she gets, um, with no backstory uh, established, obviously. Um, she does a really good job of, of portraying this woman who, uh, I, I think it was, you know, described to me that she could 
you know, she could reasonably as a, uh, you know, as a portly middle-aged uh, widow, uh, reasonably intimidate Batman. Um, I right. could, I could buy it. Um, and uh, so, she, but but her justification for assembling this ragtag crew of misfits is that the next time a uh, they call them metahumans, metahumans, which, which, which is uh, which is maybe the worst name for a superpowered human being I've ever heard. Um, but the next time a metahuman. Uh, with the powers of Superman, but with the temperament of a villain, uh, you know, comes to Earth and tries to uh, infiltrate the White House, do something like that. Um, th- uh, their only hope to defend against it is the Suicide Squad, this team of psychotic criminals. Um, and she proves this to the Pentagon by bringing in an all-powerful demon wizard from the from centuries past into this secure facility with all of the nation's top security and defense personnel present <laughs> in the same room um, uh, with a, again, with a, with a mystical entity who can teleport in and out of secure facilities on the opposite end of the earth um, without any real restraint or security precautions taken. Um, and apparently everyone is cool with it with with very little resistance. You and actually brought this brought this up when we were, when we talked about the trailer. When I was talking about the paranoia that was on there about what if Superman had decided to tear off the roof of the White House and grab the president? And you're like, well, what are any of these people going to do about? It? Okay, yeah. So and that's that's really the base of it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, uh, what would happen? <laughs> Yeah, Please okay. tell us, Viola Davis. Yeah, so they, I mean, honest to God, they spend about 20 minutes at the beginning of this movie running through their backstories uh, and their powers. You know, I'm going to say, as formulaic as that first bit was, I was actually enjoying myself a little. I was, oh, I was, I was actually of, prepared to say, like, man, I don't really know what people are complaining about. Like, this is fine. I like this. No, I had that same thought. But the thing is, that first part of the movie, it's still kind of a mess. The structure doesn't really... Um, I don't know because they eat, you know, they're they go to each one in their cells and they have a, you know a pop song playing over each one distinctively. Oh and God, the uh, use of music in this movie. Oh, it is it is. Oh, we'll get it's atrocious. Get there, um, but it plays over. You know, it, they each have like their segment where it kind of cuts back and shows a bit of their origin. Um, and it does that. I, I, in fact, I think it only actually does that for Deadshot, played by Will Smith, and Harley Quinn, played by, by Margot Robbie, which is which ultimately is really the are really the only two members of the Suicide Squad that this movie gives two shits about. Um, and then uh, it cuts to Angela Waller, who then proceeds to give more background information on Deadshot and Harley Quinn. So, like to me, even right there, the structure just gets kind of fucked up because we're jumping between people's stories without real any. It, I mean, it just feels messy. Well, and sometimes feels- you jump back to to one of uh, their backstories, one of uh, uh, Deadshot's and Harley Quinn's backstories, yeah. and you're yeah, just the- like, wait, wait, I thought we already covered that, and then. It does. It does get kind of jarring. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's not that I don't like that nonlinear editing style. It's that in this case, the way it was done seemed a bit sloppily handled. Even though in, ter- in overall, I agree, I was enjoying that section of the movie, uh, and I ultimately enjoyed it probably more than any other part of the film because it's only downhill from there. Um, and uh, so we get. I, I and. But it also kind of belies the, I think, probably the most fundamental problem the film has, which is that 
you know, this is the Suicide Squad. It's it's a team of characters who we have had zero introduction to before. I mean, mm-hmm. we know them as comic book characters, but in terms of this cinematic universe, we have no idea who they are. And you're introducing about, like, six new people. Um, so, I mean, like, the Avengers at least had... Um, you know, back, you know, it had origin film series, one of its heroes. And Guardians of the Galaxy, there were like five characters, and one, two of them were already paired up. So, you know, it, it had its work a bit more cut out for them. So, suffice it to say, Suicide Squad needed character development. Well, I think and, Guardians of the Galaxy is the strongest counterpoint to this one, because these are, again, characters that I had no idea who they were, but was still able, were still able to latch on to. But not so suicide squad these are characters i knew but had to figure out what version of the characters they were trying to play right so i so i will say so more than anything suicide squad needed character development and what it gave us was character exposition Uh uh-huh and that's it i I call this this is i'm going to directly quote myself which i know is uncouth um but i i I did recently write about this, and I said that the only emotional development in this movie is like a five-minute powwow while everyone verbalizes their entire journey. Oh, uh, was in that the bar was at the end? The drinking scene, yeah, and um, that was the only bit at the end that actually held my attention for a little bit because the rest of it was CG garbage. Um, t- oh my god, terror! Oh my god, the action in this movie is so bad. Um, and I've—I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever seen. Okay, you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna save this because I feel like I'm I'm would be bringing it up prematurely. But yeah, it's every bit you learn. You're, you're right. Every bit that you learn about these characters is explained either through a direct flashback, um, and then even then, like you get about a minute of screen time per person, um, or with Amanda Waller directly telling you, um, what. <laughs> you know uh, information about them or with just their stats being flashed on the screen like a fucking baseball card and you couldn't even like keep up with those at no, all no no, no 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 you cannot read all that you you have to pause it unless you're a really fast reader i'm a slow reader um you have to, like you can't Not that fast that. and the stuff i did pick up on is just like stupid shit that was just trying to be quirky like i'll tell you uh, i don't even rem- i remember reading some of it i don't remember anything i read now i'm not i don't remember if it was like a kill count or like I, height and weight you know like catch, what am i, I looking catch, at i would catch shit like um fetish pink bunnies and i was like wow that's really quirky you're trying to be so clever right now you piece of shit obviously it would never come up again i think maybe it was the pink unicorns guy um, boomerang who i guess really likes pink unicorns and that comes back once <laughs> this is just, probably the most like the pa- most painful example of blatant pandering to young people that i've seen in this movie or in any movie this year really when they're just like when they're just like oh let's let's make this a it was almost like a video game experience they're like oh let's have you select your characters and show up all your stats on screen just like all these kids like yeah they're gonna love it they're gonna think it's awesome and then the the shit with the like quirky like little factoids that are in there and like the pink unicorn bullshit like it reminded me of i don't remember where i heard this or what film it was in reference to so i i can't give proper credit but they were basically saying that um like it, it, it for shitty screenwriters if they can't um properly develop a character one shorthand that they always used is to give the character something really quirky or offbeat as a defining characteristic 
Um, because you know why write a character when you can just sign when you can just hint at one with like you know a weird like a a weird kink or interest or like a you know it 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 just it's a really stupid detail and that's what that's what I felt kept getting shoved on these characters at the expense of their actual humanity. Um, you know, we got fucking pink unicorns. That, that's going to be my, that's going to be my reference point the entire time to the shortcut this film takes with actually like characterizing its characters. Um, so yeah, that's while it's a fairly enjoyable, I will agree with you. It's a fairly enjoyable opening. It's still kind of a mess in and of itself, but uh, it's, I'll say it's a mess that I wouldn't have noticed too much if the rest of the movie wasn't an absolute yeah. pigsty. Yeah, and it utterly... I mean, the, the fact is, at the end of the day, it kind of fails at successfully building up this team as some, as as people who were actually interested to see in action together. I actually... I, I, in fact, I the more I knew about them, the less I wanted to see them actually interact because I knew that there was no chemistry here whatsoever. These are not people who I want to see fighting together. They're, they're, some of them I wouldn't mind them having their own origin film and kind of getting to know more about them because some of them do actually have kind of touching backstories, albeit trite. They're definitely trite. They're definitely cliche. But it, Got a it, daughter. Yeah, it really says something when Will Smith's character, Deadshot, basically has the exact same uh, motivation and uh, backstory of Sandman from Spider-Man 3. Um, hey, I will say, you know, I, I enjoyed his confrontation with Batman. I don't know if that's oh, what I love, nope, nope, I loved it. I loved it, too. I actually thought that was... Actually, as an individual scene, that's probably my favorite in the film. Yeah, I think so. Like I said, trite. It's definitely trite. But, I mean, I, I at least there's a moment of fucking humanity in it. Right? <laughs> like... I mean that that's what was devoid of that's what the rest of this film was completely devoid of was just any sort of like feeling or empathy and honestly that's why I really didn't give a shit that Will Smith most I mean you're right he mostly talks in trailer dialogue and he's not like he, he doesn't have that much really going for him except for the fact that he's fucking Will Smith and he can give <laughs> he can give any shitty line so much like humor and pathos and heart behind like behind it that I you know, I was willing to. He was really the only person I was looking forward to seeing in action in the film. I, I would say there are a few lines of his that I was actually pretty offended by. Um, one was after Amanda Waller, this character we have, just like guns down a few FBI oh, agents. God. He walks by her and says, "That's, That's gangster. gangster." Yeah, like, really? Like this to me? It, one, it's completely like dis disregards. It has a blatant disregard for human life, which totally sucks, and I hate that it, it totally jars me in movies like Independence Day when they're making a Jew joke while <laughs> millions of people, million, tens of millions just died, <laughs> or in in this case when she just guns down innocent people who just wanted to live, and then he's like, that's gangster. And then the joke itself, too, is kind of like, it's reminiscent of this weird trend I'm seeing where the joke it seems like it's catered toward white people and the joke is that black people are acting like they're black people mm-hmm. like yep. he's like oh he said that's a gangster because think about think about this if he said if he had looked at her and said that's hardcore 
instead of gangster. Would that have even elicited a chuckle from anybody? No, it wouldn't have been a joke line. It's like a joke because it's like, oh, gangster, and black people say gangster. Ha ha ha, that's oh, really ha, ha, funny. Black people kill people. Yeah, like, I mean, come on. That's kind of the sentiment. I mean, and look, I mean, please don't. Just because you brought this up right after I credited Will Smith's performance, I am not endorsing every line of dialogue he had. No, I know. I'm not. I don't think you are. No. Okay. The, I just wanted to say, as a whole, his performance was, for me, the one glimmer of humanity in this cesspool that we once called. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> uh, he's making a Grand Budapest Hotel reference, if any people don't know. We saw this for his birthday. I got to see yeah. Mike in flesh and blood oh, and hug man, him. I can't, I, can't even, him. I can't even describe how much I enjoyed that whole ordeal. It was so fun. And I hadn't seen Grand Budapest since it came out. It is... It is. I will. Oh, it, it is. I hadn't five, seen Grand Budapest since it came off of HBO Go. <laughs> it is five times as good as I remembered it. Yeah. Uh, honest to God, I love that movie. And the other, the other offensive line. Okay. Yeah. Is please. actually the only point in the movie where I legitimately laughed out loud. And I don't know if you had this experience, but this is seriously, it belongs in the pantheon of bad blockbuster lines. I, like, didn't, la- I didn't laugh once, so I'm kind of curious what, what which one it is. And I have no, this, this seriously blew my mind how just awful this line was. It's, it's at the end with Enchantress, who we haven't even talked about, who we need to talk about. Um, Enchantress is just standing and dancing around in her like flurry of CG, spouting off generic evil bullshit. Oh wait, no, I did laugh because Enchantress's dance moves were the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen. I know. I don't know why is she even dancing. Who knows? It's uh, so funny. Okay. And, and right. Will Smith is wants to like put her in her place, like the same way that you know, like the like Batman says, like what were you trying to prove that every, deep down everyone inside is as ugly as you are? You know, You're something in that vein. And mm-hmm. and his brilliant analysis is, lady, you are evil. Wait, did he say that? He said that. He's like, lady, you are evil. And points what? right at her. I d- okay, look, to be fair, that whole finale just kind of put me in a fugue state. Like, I don't... I, I'm sorry. When my, when my brain has seen something before, it just kind of passes over it. So I just, you know, wasn't my most alert. I do not remember that fucking line. I was seriously, like, uncontrollable when I heard that. I'm like, oh, you have to be kidding me. That is your line? Anyone could tell at this point that she's evil. She could tell that she's evil. What are you accomplishing? <laughs> what if they play that, like, the big twist in the movie <laughs> no i was thinking that like what i was thinking no. about that if you I, I was thinking about inserting that line in any other like superhero supervillain controversy co- you know confrontation in in any movie <laughs> you are evil bane you are evil actually if you put it in batman versus uh, batman and robin uh directed towards poison ivy it would actually probably m- perfectly mesh with the rest of the film around it so <laughs> well yeah no and honestly like that this line in suicide squad does perfectly mesh because the only conflict that you understand is that she is evil and they are kind of good so great good job uh-huh. for for encapsulating the entire emotional conflict of the movie, but it shouldn't have been that easy to encapsulate. Actually, you know what's funny? You didn't even mention my actual least favorite line of Will Smith's in this movie. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Um, And I'm not even counting the Lady You Are Evil part because uh, that's actually maybe my favorite line in the entire movie. Um, (laughs) 
No, my it actually came right before your first one with the, the that's gangster. Um, it's where so it's after Waller just murders a bunch of FBI people without clearance. And mind you, I love how her justification is like like flags just like looking at her like a disapproving father, and she's just like, "What? They didn't have clearance?" And he's like, "I know, I know." And I was just thinking like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, but they probably had families." <laughs> Anyway, um, but after that, after she does that, uh, uh, Deadshot's just like, it's like, and you, and you call us the bad guys. I'm just like, yes. First of all, yes. Second of all, I'm sorry, Will Smith. Where's your nose? Where's your fucking are you little on the nose there? It's right there <laughs> on your face. It's the most. I'm sorry. It's just the most. In fact, I could have, if someone had asked me. I, I'm clearly into betting a lot right now because if someone had asked me to put money down that that line would be somewhere in this movie before I saw it, I would have. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's so so predictable, and I just I I hated that it went I hated that it went there. Mind you, this is the same movie that has things like Lady You Are Evil in it, so you know it ultimately not that surprising. But man, God, if that I know that you never, I can tell you have no desire to see this movie again, and I don't either. But man, no. I'm sad that you no, that no, line I, did not I'm register to, with you. No, I'm going to watch that part because I, I want to hear him. I want to hear him say it. Lady, you are evil. <laughs> you are in the climax. Come on. Oh my God, that's so good. Oh my God, I can't believe no, it. The only way that would have been a better line. It, it, in any movie is in the Dark Knight Rises. Instead of saying "I came here to stop you," he could have said, "Bane, you are evil." Oh, actually, no. I think it would have been funny if they revealed Tally at the end, and then Bruce just lost, and it was like, "Lady, you are evil." <laughs> uh. we, we just spent like ten minutes shitting on what is probably the best character in the movie. Um, I mean, Angela Waller is probably, I guess, my favorite character in the movie. If I had to pick Amanda one, Waller, did I say Angela? She's fucking... so amazing that you remember her name. <laughs> why did I? Why do I keep calling her Angela? I feel like there's a reason I keep calling her Angela, and I don't know why. But um, is that uh, like your mom's name? That's also my mom's name. That's your mom's name? No, my mom's name is Elaine, but it could be Angela. <laughs> oh my god, Martha! Oh yes, that's what you're referencing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Martha. You gotta say it more. Why did you say that name? <laughs> at, at the end of the at the end of this review, we do have to say whether it's better or worse than than Batman vs Superman. I'm still not sure. I know. Actually, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm still not sure. Um, but yeah, you're right. We have been shitting on like the best character in the movie, probably. Let's, let's talk about. Let's talk about the two big what i imagine that you would have the most to say about the two biggest fuck yous to fans of batman that i have ever seen on the big screen well you're kind of leading the witness but i i get where you're going what do you mean leading the i mean i can't change your opinion if you somehow like them then you you can you can make that argument but yeah no it's true it's you're talking about joker and harley quinn of course i'm talking about joker and harley quinn what the fuck was that and it's true so as as a comic book fan i gotta say i do not i'm not as a batman comic book fan specifically i gotta say i'm not well read on deadshot but with joker and harley quinn you best believe i you know i'm bringing some ammo to the fight and actually you know you can actually get more of genuine harley quinn from 
the animated series, which is actually where she was invented. She was actually imported yeah. to the comics, so to speak, can, from the that, show because she was so wildly popular. Can Can you imagine a more successful like? I mean, that that shouldn't have worked. This like, I and I almost feel like it was this like conversation that the executives had at WB or whoever produced the cartoon. She's like, can we give Joker like a lady sidekick just to like make quippy one liners at him all the time? And the show creators like. Oh, fine, we'll create one of the greatest characters in comic book history uh, who is uh, dealing with one of the worst abusive relationships. Uh, oh, and- man. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for bringing that up. And, uh, with, and with that, she's a lot like the Joker in that they were both only supposed to be around as a one-shot. Like, Joker was originally killed off in the first comic book he appeared in, and then they famously decided, actually, let's leave this open-ended, and they redrew the, the final comic book panel at the last moment in the in the 11th hour to make it so he could possibly still be alive. And then we have the Joker today, and Harley Quinn was supposed to be just one episode. And they're like, oh, just a one-episode character in the animated series, let's see how this works. And then they're like, actually, you know, we could use her again, let's bring her back. And... Mm-hmm. Then they just kept bringing her back because she's so wildly popular. And yes, her relationship with the Joker is um, is unmistakably categorized as an abusive relationship. She mm-hmm. at one point like flees him. This is the the one of the most famous episodes to uh, to describe their relationship. It's uh, the Poison Ivy episode. It's in the that took place a few episodes after she originally originally uh, aired. And she finally decides, okay, I'm going to, like, leave Joker. And she goes into the arms of Poison Ivy, who, you know, sort of, like, talks her through things and blah, blah, blah. And then miffs Poison Ivy quite a bit when she, at the end of the episode, uh, wants to go back to him and describes and talks about how she misses him and how he's actually, you know, misunderstood and he's a good guy. Within the confines of a cartoon that they're marketing for all audiences this is an abusive relationship yeah and it's it's amazing that they're able to pull it off so non-judgmentally at times and it's it's one of the most i mean i think it's one of the most groundbreaking things that's done in a kid's cartoon because it's done over a long period of time it's developed very like it, it it's in a very nuanced way and i mean it's still kind of like held up high as like i mean i've fucking heard like I've heard actual people who have been, I mean, not personally that I know, but who like, who say that they have been in abusive relationships who hold that up as like a pretty darn like accurate, uh, rendering of what that experience is like in the context of a comic book world. Of well, course. I mean, even when I, I, I did some it's work at dark. the, it's I did some work shit. at the women care shelter in Bellingham and you know, it's, it's the cycle of violence, cycle of yeah. domestic violence, you know, yeah. it's like they, it's, it's dark shit and it's very serious. Yeah, the abuse is committed. They apologize for the abuse. They feel bad about it, and then they, you know, come back to him eventually. It it, it sucks. It's shitty, and nothing was able to pull it off in, on screen uh, in in this this type of show better than this type of these type of characters better than Harley Quinn and the Joker. Now uh, we're uh, talking about all this relationship in the confines of anything that's not Suicide Squad, and there's yes, a reason for uh, that. Yes. Yes. Um, because Suicide Squad just takes a big old hot topic jizz all over both of these characters. Yeah, I mean the the only the deepest thing that they came up with for Harley Quinn and Joker. And by the way, just let's just talk about how Harley Quinn does not belong in this movie at all. No. Like she, oh my god. Okay, can I just okay, I'm sorry. So No, it's fine. I wanted to take this quick aside. Like 
yeah. everyone else, even even Captain Boomerang, can make a case as to why they belong they, in they in these like metahumans. Thing. But Harley Quinn isn't even a fucking metahuman in this. She's just like so, crazy. So no, no, there was okay. So there's probably ultimately more gun shooting in this film than oh, I have ever seen in any superhero film. And mind you, unless you're like doing something with it, like you're you know Tarantino or something. I, I mean, there is a, there are not many things that are more boring to watch in a superhero movie than, than people firing. This was like their first it. big thing. I was like, oh, what are they going to do with these interesting characters? Oh, they're just, they're just shooting people. And in the okay. middle, actually, it was that fight. In the middle of it, I just had like this, this moment where I'm just like, boy, I sure am happy that Harley Quinn can do gymnastics. Right. <laughs> I look at all these gymnastics that she's doing to help them. Thank God that... Thank God that Angela that oh my fucking god. <laughs> Thank God that Amanda Waller realized that she needed Harley Quinn's amazing gymnastic skills to solve this problem. What the fuck? Oh and also like uh, th- my whole thing with Amanda Waller's lapse in logic earlier, like it, th- it she gave this whole allegory about like in World War II, the government had the mafia guard the waterfront, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's true. But also, the the in World War II, the government didn't have the fucking flash. <laughs> anyway, I'll probably bring this up again. But well, uh, and this is a this is another theme that's ex- exemplified most by the the climax is in that they talk about Suicide Squad being so necessary, but they didn't do anything. They just like. The military they, couldn't have no, done no, without no, this. They did nothing the military couldn't have done. And they spent the entire time trying to stop someone who was originally supposed to be in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's like the main conflict, and I almost want to draw like a Star Trek comparison in this one, because the main conflict in this movie is about... Is something that the Suicide Squad themselves caused. So rather than being able to do just Suicide Squad stuff, they have to uh, unfuck up this situation, which is kind of what we yeah, liked about Star Trek Beyond. Was like, oh, now they're finally trekking the stars. You know, they're yeah, they're yeah. encountering something they're, that they have to solve, and then they're back to normal. Exactly, they're coming across a civilization. I mean, it wasn't really a whole civilization, but it was you know something that they hadn't seen before. You know, it was it was actually the sense of exploration. This movie, the arc of this film is that Angela... Oh my god. This is this is the new Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. <laughs> this is. I don't know why. I really don't know why. I apologize profusely. Amanda Waller has the shittiest idea of all time and half... And, and the team spends the rest of the movie trying to clean up the consequences of that shitty idea. And then the mid-credits sequence is, you know what? Angela, uh, Amanda, I completely understand why you thought the way you did, but you were completely wrong, and we're going to undo everything that you have spent this entire movie establishing. Also, I, I kind of maybe know you're Batman. <laughs> yeah. A little yeah. bit of a wink there. R- regardless, yeah. um, Joker and Harley Quinn in, I'm in sorry, this yes, one... Back- Oh my. She has no business being in this movie, and when she is in this movie, the deepest thing they could think to characterize her relationship as a Joker is maybe she wants it to be a little different. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And which, I mean, I get that these are kind of different renditions of the characters, but traditionally, Harley Quinn, she's not someone who, like, wanted out of this, like, Joker life. That's actually the Joker life is what attracted her in the first place. She's, like, 
she she is insane in her own right and that's another thing they had her like jump in the ace chemical vat which makes the whole joker origin even more dumb it's that, like that, that, why are actually, these chemical vats still just hanging out that, after that, this that's, happened that's actually my least favorite scene in the entire movie um it's really dumb and, and it's also got my least favorite shot with them coming like back up and making out in the chemical vat with like the the bright colors swirled around them oh, to me yeah. that was just such a masturbatory moment that was just like uh, like if you give a hot topic manager full reign of a studio for a day and tell him to shoot one scene, or, or that's what he would do. If you got, if you let him get any tattoo, that's the tattoo he would get. And fuck him, fuck him, and fuck this movie. Um, it made no. I mean, it made no sense. I don't. Why were? What was the purpose of the chemical bats? Was it supposed to be making them insane? Well, uh, well, that's the the uh, commonly cited, although not. 100% positive origin of the Joker and that right. he was he was original he was a patsy for the mob at one point and actually you've read you've read the killing joke I've right read the, No, I've read the killing joke and I've seen Tim Burton's Batman. Like I know the role of chemicals in some in some variations on the Joker origin story, but I don't understand how that played into this Joker's origin story at all when he was clearly already the Joker and Harley Quinn was clearly already Harley Quinn. Um I, I don't get what that achieved except for being just dumb and and gratuitous and weird. I think what it did, honestly, this is another this is one of those things that's just like practically you know, they have to do this for practical reasons, is that they couldn't Harley Quinn is in prison, so she couldn't obviously have the white makeup that she normally wears. Ah, so okay. they have to put in a little scene about how she's using chemicals too. So then you know that oh, all these colors on her face are not actually makeup. It's even though it's, it's very clearly makeup. It's very clearly makeup, but still. <laughs> um. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. I just I I hated that scene. I hate that apparently. Um. When did we need to start making Harley a ditz? Like especially before she becomes Harley Quinn. Like. Her origin is that she was the Joker's psychiatrist. She's like a smart. It's supposed to be a smart person. Yeah, she's a smart person, and yet apparently, in this they have her, like there's a scene in the Batman animated series with the Joker's like it, I mean it's not a very long scene. It's maybe like three minutes, but it shows the Joker like legitimately winning over Harley Quinn, like like joking with her, um, like t- talking about abuse he experienced as a child, but then like peppering it with jokes. And she like you can see her face like kind of like, you know, warming up to him and like laughing and then like, you know, really feeling for him when he talks about, you know, his father beating him. Obviously probably you know, you don't really know what's made up and what's real, which is part of what's great about the Joker. Um and even though it's such a short scene, when she does eventually you know start sympathizing with him more and more you you are on her wavelength you understand what she's going through and that's what's so important about that character in this one they have one like repulsive interaction that she's somehow enamored with and then he asks her to but to get her a machine to get him a machine gun <laughs> and that apparently works uh-huh. and and she gets him a machine gun somehow and they take the hospital and he pins her down and says that he's going to hurt her really really bad you know what's really really bad jared leto's heath ledger impersonation (laughs) it's really bad i don't know Um, this is i think okay so here's the thing 
Uh, all my problems with Harley Quinn aside, and there are many, many problems I have with Harley Quinn in this film. Um, I haven't even mentioned the fact that she's like a cool, like that her whole purpose, like in terms of, you know, her dynamic with the suicide squad is to be the quippy one. Um, but she's not funny. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, we mentioned that her powers are totally useless, but you know, I can put that aside because I think Margot Robbie is genuinely trying her hardest. And I actually think that she was probably a good choice. I think the writing is shitty around her, but I would not mind seeing her play Harley Quinn in a much more well-written role. Um, I think Jared Leto is the worst Joker that has ever been put on any screen ever. Like, <laughs> I think it is bar none. Like, someone else made this comparison and but i think it's brilliant they compared him to like his role in this movie to eddie redmayne from jupiter ascending where like basically whenever he's on screen it's super entertaining because of how cringy and bad his performance is <laughs> and i am in full agreement i i can i i'm just stuck marveling at the idea that now this dc extended universe has the worst batman ever on screen and the worst joker ever on screen it is i it is unbelievable i heard some people actually say like jared leto is like like unironically they said jared leto is the best part of this movie i'm like are you fucking insane he is so terrible he really is. He is. And it's I, not just his character. Which, cause, uh, honestly, I don't even really know his character in this movie. I, I just were, know the performance. If I were directing the next film with the Joker in it, and I had control over this, which I know I wouldn't because, you know, DC's... Uh, you know, Warner Brothers is treating this like in the gigantic franchise that it is. But, I mean, honestly, I would take this character, throw him in the garbage, and basically give some bullshit excuse about how this dude was not the joker he was just some pimp who was inspired by the joker and so put makeup on and had stupid shitty tattoos and and just was you know trying to be intimidating and that the real joker was someone else who's you know much more akin to the comics or you know actually had the essence of Heath Ledger's joker i don't give a shit just anything but this garbage it was it was garbage it was the worst performance of the joke of the best arguably the best comic book villain of all time and just bastardized so bad i don't know how you ruin this character to this extent it's he didn't have a single clever line it was all like it absurd to the point of like comedy i was i i the closest i came to laughing uh was when you know he was trying to be intimidating or had some you know flashed his grills some bullshit like that um oh god i couldn't i couldn't believe what they did to this character i i was aghast and i'm not even as big of a comic book reader as you so i couldn't imagine what you were experiencing uh, but I, I just felt so like oh god this 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 felt like uh a, an affront to actual fans of this character. Well, you're right. I'm, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not going to give it the out that I didn't expect expect much. I didn't. So I, I'm, I, I, I'm sort I, of just I wallowing. Just I just didn't expect the, active, like active middle finger raising. You know, like it was it was this close to just David Air flipping off. 
I mean, it's probably more accurately Warner Brothers, but Warner Brothers just going up and just flipping off the audience. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm sort of desensitized to people in the DC cinematic universe, DC extended universe, shitting on uh, characters I know and love. So it's not really shocking at this point. And so I, you know, when I came out of there, like, yeah, that Joker is really bad. It's just sort of that. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I like Hit me again. I can put some stank on it. <laughs> uh, I, I I mean I wasn't expecting much, but God, I think it just it just surprised me how bad Jared Leto is. It did. It, I uh, I'm so annoyed by Jared Leto right now. I, you know he I described mean, his role as Shakespearean. I fucking what the fuck. Mm. I've never liked Jared Leto as like a person. A person? Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> He's know. Really pompous. I did like his performance in in uh, Dallas Buyers Club, Club, for which he won yeah. won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not even saying he's a bad actor in general, but boy, oh boy, should no one have ever let him within a hundred miles of this role. It, which is weird because you know, on paper, I actually think like, oh, you know, Jared Leto as the Joker—that's not a bad idea. No, I actually remember defending the it a little bit. I'm like, Jared Leto—he's a good actor. He can do what he can do whatever he wants. You know. Apparently, what he wanted was to do the shittiest job of imitating Heath Ledger's accent in The Dark Knight. And that was really it. It was just his accent. This, and that's we've we've piled on, we've heaped on shit, shitty superlatives on this Joker. But when it comes down to it. He doesn't have any mannerisms that are at all recognizable of the Joker, besides occasionally laughing a little bit. That's why I'm saying, I like if they just write this off as being a a typical gangbanger who just was taking on some of the attributes of the Joker, I would find that completely believable. This has as much relation to the Joker of like the popular consciousness as the vigilante batman uh, batman from the dark knight due to the actual batman <laughs> like the the ones wearing hockey pants <laughs> i'm not wearing hockey pants seriously this is be this is like the joker version of that this is the guy that the joker would beat up and uh, and would make some quippy line about i'm not wearing a damaged tattoo on my forehead <laughs> um uh. It was oh my god! It was a travesty. I just I I I I was expecting not to like it. I didn't know it would be this terrible. Um, well, I mean, let me just give you I, like I I will give you an example of the Joker's depth, and this is actually right after the Killing Joke. Uh, Joker decides he wants to kill another member of Batman's family, so he, he kills uh, uh, Jason Todd famously. Um, this actually happened right after. Oh, actually, no, he didn't kill Barbara Gordon. I forget about that. Uh, sometimes. No, he, he shot her. And- yeah, and then he then he went on and killed Jason Todd. And in there's this weird segment where he beca- in this in the death in the family story story arc where he becomes the ambassador to Iran. I think they were going really heavy with the political commentary. Mm-hmm. Regardless, he as the ambassador to Iran, he walks past Bruce Wayne. Like not Batman. He walks past Bruce Wayne, who's at this at this event, and he looks at him, actually stares at him actively for several comic frames, and all he and then he just starts laughing and walks away. So it is heavily implied that at that moment he realizes that Bruce Wayne is Batman and he doesn't give a fuck. 
<laughs> and, and, Jesus. Yeah, it's it's such a like a really powerful moment for him because then you start to understand him a lot more. Like that, the just this idea of Batman, whoever he is, is well, this idea of Batman's true identity does not matter at all. And then you get to what he's really after, this counterpoint in him that he's searching for. And still, at that point, like, he, he has all the power over him. He could have exposed him and got rid of him forever, but he likes him around. And mm-hmm. that's the sort, yeah. of, sort of person Joker is, someone who likes this this challenge, who likes this balance, who likes God, this sort that, of yin-yang I mean, notion. Yeah, that, I mean, that last, I, you have more comic book knowledge to draw on, but, like, even that last monologue in the, it's not monologue, because Batman's there, too, but, you know, that last scene with him in The Dark Knight, where he's just like, you know, you and I are destined to do this forever, like, like, you only see them in one movie together, but I fucking believe that, like, there's just something mythical about that relationship that he understands that Batman doesn't, and it's just such a neat, like, the, the, code of the joker is one of the most fascinating things about him and actually that's kind of why um like i I almost feel like jokers after heath ledger are like cursed to misinterpret what that character was all about because heath ledger kind of you know his joker kind of tried to personify chaos but the joker is not really about chaos he's got like a code to him and uh, he you know it's it's something that I would be interested in seeing explored more deeply in another film, but unfortunately, it looks like they're taking the regressive route and just, you know, trying to, trying to be, you know, chaotic and batshit insane like Heath Ledger's Joker was on the outset, you know. It's it's true, and I I would like to see. I, I I take that back. I don't like to see it, but I acknowledge the fact that there was no Joker Batman relationship represented on screen uh-huh. in Suicide Squad. So yeah. you know maybe I have to acknowledge the fact yeah, that maybe but- it could have had some of that similar depth. But all we have in this movie is a guy who wants to get his girlfriend back. Which, by the way, again is not really. Every time Harley Quinn has rebuffed Joker, he sort of. He sort of just doesn't care, and he has literally thrown her out a window and oh my God, metaphorically there's... throw her under the bus at any chance he gets. Like that's the person that the Joker is, and that's how he treats Harley Quinn. And this one, he's just like, "I've got to get my girlfriend back." <laughs> there's an amazing scene in the animated series where uh, the jo- where Harley Quinn tries to seduce the Joker inside of a pie, uh, in a way that oh I'm yeah, I'm it's like pudding, surprised. right? it's like pudding yeah and oh yeah because she always calls him pudding yeah and she's like pudding uh, for my pudding yeah yeah and she's just like oh and she she even says a line that i'm surprised got past the censors but she's just like it's like come on over here and try my pie and i'm just like oh my (laughs) but but basically joker responds by throwing her literally throwing her out of the door into the alleyway um with with like a bunch of cats out there and then he shuts the door and he like you know takes a bite and he's like oh She's a sweet kid, but God, she can't cook. <laughs> She's just such an asshole. I know, and that's the thing. Like, I love it. I, I mean, not I don't love it, but you know, it's just it, the the relationship is so much more interesting. Well, yeah, in, there was so much more you could have done. It not to say that okay, you have to do this because it came before you, but you could do something more interesting than. I need to get her back because I made her crazy and now she's crazy no, but with I, me. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying that they should have had that scene. I'm just saying, like, you know, a, 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 a uh, like, clearly unhealthy 
dynamic like that makes the relationship more interesting it makes harley a more tragic figure it makes the joker more despicable but also like you know you you know kind of you have to come to terms with you know what does the other person actually mean to either one of them like it's it's i don't know it's something to mull over and think about and in this case there's it's it's just a goth romance and you know what back to regular old suicide squad oh god this movie gets really stupid just in a hurry god does it get stupid and seriously i mentioned how they they don't do anything that the military couldn't do they kill the main baddie the final boss if you will with a bomb Mm-hmm. A bomb. Yeah, it's a like bomb. something that the US military could have dropped from the sky at any time. Like that's what does it? A bomb? Yep. Yeah. It's it it's one of the worst showcases of superpowers I've ever seen in a film. I mean, hell, even Fantastic Four, you at least know what all their powers are and they use them to some degree. And this even has the same Fantastic Four problem of like having essentially an omnipotent villain who just kind of somehow resorts to like kicking and punching in the finale. Yeah, it's like it seems like he can do whatever he wants and then he just doesn't. And one yeah. of one of the enchantress powers is so desperate because and this is what I talked about in that article I talked to you about uh, analyzing whether or not it was held back by a PG-13 rating. One of the things they obviously did to keep it PG-13 was they had enchantress infect other human soldiers to make them not really people who bleed anymore. They're just like oh, kind of yeah. flimsy concrete. Oh, they're people. just a bunch of eyes. Is there eyes? I thought that was just like goopy holes. I don't oh, I know. They were, I thought they were eyes. It, it it doesn't really matter. Regardless, yeah. So now instead of Suicide Squad killing a bunch of people, they're killing weird creatures who were people, and they try to mention that at one point, and then they qu- quickly gloss over it. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> funny. Is that line actually stood out to me where they mentioned that like it's like you know elderly lady, uh, you know. Uh, you know whatever no matter what they were before now they're just super soldiers and i'm just like oh so they just like killed a bunch of innocent people who got like corrupted by this force and they're just dead now i mean i know they're the suicide i know they're the suicide squad but i'm just like jesus fuck that's like i don't know something something kind of bad natured about that and then like but you know thank god no blood right it's well yeah and this is the thing too it's sort of this this false dichotomy because they're like Oh well, we can't, we can't show them killing a bunch of people. So we have to turn them into these stupid, uninspired things that, basically, punching bags that explode occasionally oh, or yeah, turn to yeah. dust. And it's like that's that's bullshit. You could have done something else. You could have actually had to create a new enemy that they have to fight. Like use your fucking brains. Well, I, I swear to, and that's another cliche I'm getting really sick of seeing is this idea of um, not just something that doesn't bleed, but just like. And, and, like, this drone force of bad guys. I feel like it's in almost every single blockbuster now. It, even, it was even in Star Trek, but it was definitely in Avengers. It was one of the worst things about Avengers. And I was kind of hoping that, like... And it was in Avengers, too, also. Like, this idea of, like, a series of unending drones that look exactly the same and, and attack it exactly the same and only exist, basically, to be, like 
you know, targets for the good guys. I understand why that's that's a good thing in a video game. I don't see how that's interesting to watch. I've never been interested in actually seeing that. Oh, no, seriously, and, that that first scene where they're fighting a bunch of them and then Deadshot goes off on his, like, shooting tamper tantrum and kills everybody, that was so goddamn boring. Also, why does Deadshot make his coolest shot in the first five minutes he's on screen? I know, and that's, well, that's the thing, that's what Deadshot is, like, known for, especially, like, ricochet shots, like, that's, like, his, his, his thing. trick shots, yeah. Yeah, but, and then they're like, yeah, this is gonna be him, and that's one of the reasons why I was really enjoying it, I was like, cool, we got to see something like that, are we ever gonna see it again? No. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, shit, man, I feel like each character has one scene where their powers are really, really utilized, um, Deadpool, or, god damn it, uh, um, uh, Deadshot is in the first five minutes. Uh, uh, Croc, what's it? What Killer Croc? Killer Croc, Kill, yeah. Killer Croc has Killer Croc has one where he has to go underwater for a brief period, and that's about it. Um, Katana has one, I think. Katana really didn't belong in this movie at all either um i mean there's one kind of emotional scene where she's talking to the soul of her husband trapped in her sword um which is then immediately verbalized it's like which is, the soul it, of her husband is trapped in her sword it, 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 it's immediately verbalized it comes out of nowhere because they've been in danger before so i don't know why this particular instance she's like super emotional um and then it's discarded just as quickly um so that's i guess her moment i mean she does like you know kill those drones with her sword but like again that's not anything that someone with a gun couldn't also have done and in fact many people with guns did do um when they did the same thing to the villains that they did to the heroes like oh that's interesting powers they're just gonna shoot people yeah um i actually thought pyro was pretty okay el diablo el oh sorry yeah el diablo this is yeah um I just called him Pyro. Um, I knew who you meant, but yeah, no, he was. Uh, uh, he's. I mean, I but, liked his line at the end when the when the Enchantress is trying to convince him that they're hypnotizing him, and he's like, "I can't I like change what too. I did." I like that too. I like the idea that he has so come to terms with the horrible shit he's done that he is unaffected by this like alluring idea that you know his that his family is okay. That was actually really touching to me, and yeah maybe i like i mean maybe he's number two for me for you know next to deadshot as the most uh sympathetic and well-developed character in this yeah uh, but he has the same problem everyone else does that it's just poorly handled of course of course it is but i mean in this film you can't really be too picky about no what you can't <laughs> what you know what you're gonna get with in terms of character and for me i mean his story was genuinely tragic and when he when he was like you know reluctant to use his powers and when he was like expressing guilt even though he was verbalizing it i think the important thing is i felt that he was like legitimately embodying it um I, I think that was convincingly conveyed. So, if I, you know, another plus for this film, uh, I think... Who was the actor who played uh, uh, El Diablo? Jay Hernandez. Jay Hernandez. Have, have we seen him in anything before? Uh, I'm looking this up now. Um, I don't think I have. I You might have seen him in... Oh, the no, I've seen this. He was in... This was a guy in quarantine? I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he I mean, was the guy in the first two hostile movies. Also, I don't know if you saw those pieces. I, of crap. Nope, I haven't seen I haven't seen any of these. So, um, yeah. 
So yeah. he, he was one of the main firefighters in Quarantine, which is the remake of Wreck, and yeah, he was this, the main of in Hostile. Man, I did not recognize him, but I don't yeah. think that's my fault. <laughs> yeah. Man, no, I mean, he, he was new to me, but I, I really think he did a great job. I would love to see... Like, he's a character I would actually like to see a movie about. I, you know, one of the few, because I don't think that... Honestly, this movie does a terrible job of highlighting really any of its characters. I'm not interested in Boomerang at all. I'm not interested in... I'm certainly uh, not interested in Boomerang's weird tr- attempted love relationship with Katana. Like, that was shit. Oh fucking God, what the hell was that? Was, what the hell was that? It was completely unnecessary, at very least. It nowhere. There was no payoff for it. In fact, it comes off as extra douchey because you see how much Katana's, like, like dead husband means to her. I know! Ugh. Oh, actually, oh, I remember. I, the reason I was so shocked about them just, like, slaughtering the, uh, the drones was not just that they were killing them, but also that, like, Katana was killing a lot of them. So these are perfectly innocent people whose souls are now forever trapped in her sword. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, that, that's the part that I think struck me as like particularly bad spirited. I'm just like, oh my god, those people really got the short end of the straw. Well, um, we have a the movie totally has a problem with with scale, and it goes back to this whole thing where they they cause this problem and then they have to fix it, and it's this big like world ending problem. It's like what happened to just manageable threats that happen to require a little bit of extra attention. It doesn't always have to be the nuclear world that's going to explode. I, I thought DC was trying to go for the, like, more, like, like, I thought that their whole, you know, their whole ethos was, like, you know, more realistic, re, re, you know... Yeah, their counterpoint to Marvel, like, yeah, I think both Avengers movies where the world was going to end, right? Yeah, more grounded, dark... Uh, stories that are, you know, kind of more in the Nolan vein, where they could, you know, with some minor, you know, suspensions of disbelief, feasibly happen maybe in a realistic setting. Um, you know, because that's kind of what they have over Marvel. Marvel's more campy, more bright and fun and colorful. Um, and yet somehow I'm walking away from Suicide Squad thinking that every single one of these people is a cartoon and feeling much more sympathy and, uh, like and and identifying much more closely with the characters in Civil War, because they they feel like more real people to me than anyone. I will say yes, Civil War though was an outlier in the Marvel universe by keeping the scale really small, making this this very emotional conflict rather. And uh-huh. it you remember how they acted like they were going to do that very shitty thing of oh a whole bunch of Winter Soldiers, and then like no. I'm actually just going to show you that... That was brilliant. ...the Winter Soldier killed your mom and Megan Cash kill each other. It was awesome. It completely subverted that big finale. Yeah, I love it when they, like, know what people are expecting and do that twist on them. It's, it's, It's great. And on, okay, look, you can you can hold my feet to the fire on this, and maybe you can prove me wrong. I don't think that there is a Marvel's got Marvel has its fair share of shitty villains, and by that I mean most of them. But <laughs> I don't think there's anyone that in a Marvel Cinematic Universe film that is worse than Enchantress in this movie, um, or more cringy, or just like i mean god she, damn. i think the worst one in the marvel mcu right now is the red skull and Sh- enchantress is easily worse enchantress so. is absolutely worse i like 
it's the most bland villain. I mean, everything about it from taking the same, uh, you know, ultimate plot as uh, Dr. Doom in uh, Fantastic Four, (laughs) her stupid dance moves to her incredibly generic dialogue, except for the one line that just really stood out for me as being actually, this was like, to me, this this was like, how the fuck is that a line in this movie where she, she, this like centuries old, uh, centuries old sorcerer tells flag that he doesn't have the balls. Oh yeah. That was, that was really dumb. I'm like, Oh my God, you don't have the balls. I'm like, uh, who wrote that? Come on. This isn't like, I'm possessed, uh, you know, I'm possessed demon telling you that your mother sucks cocks in hell. Like, this is, you know. <laughs> no, no, that was awesome. This is. Well, uh, yeah, because that was is supposedly an entity who has a good idea of how to get under your skin. Yeah. Which requires a knowledge of the time as it is now, not a not a centuries old you know witch lady as you said who's like you don't have the balls well and that wasn't i mean look if that was her persona from the beginning whatever but like she was this most like the most generic you know old spirit supervillain. i mean we've seen it a million times before and it just kind of felt like every single i mean this was seriously from i mean i don't want to say this like marvel did it first because they didn't do it first but they did it just as bad and this this is right from x-men apocalypse like Apocalypse uh, is the ancient Egyptian god who comes back and realizes that people don't worship him anymore, so they, he tries to destroy the world. Ah, well, at least in that movie, it's Oscar Isaac, and and this one, it's, it's the fucking Cara. girl from Paper Towns. Yeah, Cara Delvine, I think, is her name. And I'm sorry, you're no fucking Oscar Isaac. Sorry. <laughs> no, Oscar Isaac did have some fun with that role, which was which was enjoying to, enjoyable to watch. But I mean, and you know what? Say what you want about that Will Smith line that I that I hate so much. It perfectly describes her character. It, it perfectly describes a hundred percent of what we're given with Enchantress, and that's it. That's it, lady. You are evil. Mm-hmm. That's, that's about it. it. That's all I mean, Suicide Squad offers maybe, me. Maybe it's actually a great line because what else is he gonna say? <laughs> I know, right? There's nothing else to say about it. <laughs> Lady, you're evil. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, yeah. No, no, I know no, we're, we're running kind of long, but uh, I, I don't care. It's it's fine. This was a big movie, and I think there's a lot of backlash going on around it, and I agree with pretty much all of it. Um, I think we've covered most of it, though. I mean, there there are other. I mean, except how much we were paid to to write this review. Oh, but. so thank you for bringing that up because my line that I'm so proud of uh, that I will put on T-shirts is that, um, and that I sincerely mean is, if Marvel had sent me a paycheck to give this movie a negative review, I would send the money back because I wouldn't need it as an incentive. Like, no, I'm doing no. this one for. Free. I'm sorry. I'm do- this one's on the house. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, I can't believe, I mean, honestly, I, I'll say this. I think that, um, of all of the, I don't know if this is technically the worst of the DCU. Um, I would have to think about it, but this is, I think the one I, w- I would least want to watch again. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with that, except I do want you to experience that "Lady, You Are Evil" line. Um, yes, I <laughs> like, will truly experience, experience it. But I will, I, I will experience that. But this one was just like, I mean, like Man of Steel is boring as fuck. Um, Batman v Superman has some 
interesting moments interspersed in just like a complete mess of a film. And we, I mean, we talked about that in depth. I think this is the most irritating of all of them because this is the one where like, I feel like they're constantly trying to wow me. They're trying to like get me to be like, Oh man, that use of music is so edgy. I love that they're using fortunate son when introducing when they're introducing Killer Croc for some reason. And, oh, I wonder why they're having all these old pop songs in there. It must have nothing to do with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, like, <laughs> it's 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 infuriating. I just, it's so smug and annoying. That, 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 that's something I don't quite get from the other films. They're, they're, they're dumb in a different way, but this is just like, this is the first one I just get like, I want to punch in the face. It's just a, it, it's just a smug asshole. And that's, that's why I think whether it's technically the worst, I probably would least want to watch this again of, of any of the three films so far. This is one of those movies that's getting discussed a lot. I do not mind talking for a long time about it because I, there's a lot to take the task about it. No, uh, I honestly think Joker, this Joker in this one is going to be a fart in the wind Joker. Uh, if I've ever seen he did not do anything distinctive with the role that people are going to be like, I'm going to remember this guy. I don't oh, even think they're going to remember him for being that bad. They're just, you I'll know. remember him forever as being the worst screen joker that I ever expect to see. I sure hope he is because I can't imagine a worse one. I mean, like, it's amazing. Every single screen joker has in some way been um, culturally, unique. culturally, yeah, unique and culturally memorable. I mean, laugh all you want at Cesar Romero. He has stuck in the public consciousness. You know, it's that was an important joker. Um, Jack Nicholson was an important Joker. Mark Hamill's in the animated series redefined him for a generation, and Heath Ledger's won a fucking Oscar. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it, I've, it's, I've heard Jared Leto's. I heard it, I read a defense of Jared Leto's Joker, and then it's like, no, this is the more grounded, realistic one who can actually be in, in intimidating. You know, as just a regular gangster committing crimes, etc. It's like if you wanted that, you had that with Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Oh yeah, but I mean that's who I, Jack Nicholson's character was. He's the grounded gangster who commits crimes and could be intimidating to average street thugs. And he you know? was intimidating. He had oh my god, he like goes up to like what's his henchman's name like Joe or something, and he's like goes up and he's like, "You are my number one guy." And when Jack Nicholson says it, I just like a like my balls shrivel up it's just like oh well, i also the same person who wrote this article i guess was insinuating that that Heath Ledger's joker wasn't intimidating as if like the oh, whole like why so serious <laughs> scene never happened or uh <laughs> or yeah I don't look understand. at me i don't understand yeah that that, that was what was so scary about that footage scene is that like you, you know it you could feel that as almost like an actual hostage video it's like and Heath Ledger too was given almost complete autonomy to shoot that scene how he how he felt. Oh my god! Yeah, like Christopher Nolan just like gave him you know lines and the camera and said, "Go." <laughs> oh my god, that's that that's even more impressive. Jesus Christ! I mean, I honestly want to rewatch The Dark Knight now. Um, I, I just have it recently, actually, like in the 12, past few weeks. It's, it's twelve thirty, and I kind of just want to like turn it on because like, I'm not sure it to watch is. Right now. It is no. I just want to like cleanse my palate of this crap. It's how is this a more intimidating Joker? How is this a more realistic Joker? He is a he is a cartoon on cocaine. It is. <laughs> I. It's a pimp. He, he's a pimp 
that's dressed like the Joker. I will never like actually take this character seriously as the Joker. And I honestly don't know if they do make a, you know, a, a standalone Batman film. I don't know how this Joker is going to fare as being a major villain. I mean, he gets about 10 minutes of screen time in this movie. He is not in it very much. They cut a lot of the scenes out supposedly. I I I mean, and, I was, well, apparently all the scenes that they cut out according to Margot Robbie were just like flashbacks. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. They were like flashbacks that showed more of he and Harley Quinn. I mean, that didn't need more development, but I doubt that it, you know, they actually helped. The actual scenes did. Um Jesus. I Yeah, I mean, I don't see what they could do besides just like recasting and pretending like this never happened. But which I actually wouldn't be surprised if they recast because I could see Jared Leto not wanting to do this again, and not <laughs> want, and not wanting to get roped into a franchise. I not really, for everyone didn't like it. It was Shakespearean. You guys just don't understand. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go back in 30 seconds to Mars and sing a song about it. <laughs> Fuckers. Uh, <laughs> no, I always said he's a good actor because he's been acting like he could sing for years. No. Oh yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Shots fired. His his favorite his favorite actor is himself in five years. <laughs> no, it was so funny how he and Matthew McConaughey like body swapped. For, <laughs> like Matthew, watch the Golden Globes speeches because the same two people for supporting actor and actor won for both the Golden Globes that year and the Oscars, and that's Matthew McConaughey and Heath Ledger. Sorry, uh, Matthew McConaughey yeah. and Jared Leto. Don't even utter his name in the same sentence. I know, uh, and. And Jared Leto's speech at the Golden Globes was exactly what you expected from Jared Leto's speech. Really pompous, really full of himself, uh, just this oozing with self-importance. And then Matthew McConaughey is very measured, very humble. And then they just totally 180 throughout the, through the Oscars. For the actual Jared Oscars. Leto's speech was actually a high point. I was like, wow, this is really good. And Matthew McConaughey thanked himself. In, in five years. Ten years. Ten years. Know. Yeah, he's like, my biggest inspiration is, is me is in me? 10 years. <laughs> I'm going to be so good in 10 years, and I just want to be like me. <laughs> so, it, yeah, that's that's the that's the people we're dealing with. Uh, a, clearly a body-swapping demon who has <laughs> come down through the centuries to ruin a beloved comic book character. No, and I'm telling you, you're talking about how they should just, like, completely ignore this version of the Joker. I still stand by that they should completely ignore that Batman ever killed anybody. I'm telling you, they probably will. I'm, I'm hoping. That's seriously, it'll be so disappointing if in the Justice League movie or the next Ben Affleck-directed Batman movie, they just, like, go right back to it like it's no big deal. It is a fucking big deal. It does matter. It's, like, entirely what Batman's thing. I know. But I still, um, I still think that I think I think I have more sympathy for it than you, just more leeway with it than you do because I also don't like the hypocrisy of like them blowing up a bunch of stuff, but then them putting a bandaid over it, being like, "Thank God, no one was killed." <laughs> but I mean, at least give me that, you know? Or or just like this shit, like that from this height, the fall wouldn't kill me. It's like I'm planning on it, and then he does it. And it's like, hey, what if it did? And B, okay, now he's just in a wheelchair the rest of his life. No problem. No, he with was that. up walking around later. That's fine. He had no a cane, problems. but still. No problems there. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. 
No, I mean, it, it, look, it's a lot harder to do, I would say, in the movies than it is in the comic books. Yeah, So I, I have sympathy for that. In the comic books, too, he's actually... Like, he gets really mad at, like, Jason Todd when he was still Robin, because, like, Jason Todd, like, breaks someone's collarbone once, and he's like, what the fuck did you just do? This is a very serious injury you just caused him. Like, he, he berates him for a, a good panel or two, at least. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's that's interesting, because any Batman, in the, even the most non-violent Batman in the movies, he doesn't really... he. he like will not kill people but he definitely seems to be kind of indiscriminate with just fucking them up really bad yeah i mean yeah. In the, you know let's be fair to, to dc marvel's daredevil does the exact same fucking thing well, like the I, amount of people who he concusses and you know otherwise like mutilates without actually killing throughout the series they do do the same thing yeah the body count is high and then it's still just like but i don't kill him <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, wow. God, there's a there's that a great how it should have ended for the Dark Knight when he actually does run him over with the bat pod, and Superman yeah. and everyone is like, D- "You just hit him, you ran him over," and Batman's like, "Yeah, didn't kill him," and then it just cuts to the Joker in like a full body cast in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> yeah, poor little guy. He's all tuckered out. <laughs> do, do you not know what? death is <laughs> oh my god um don't see suicide squads don't yeah like we don't this. normally go to this utilitarian thing but seriously don't waste your money don't fucking do it it's bad it's oh i mean like i said i would just barely put it above a like fantastic four level disaster it's yeah I mean, look, I understand there's, like, more of a fan base behind this movie for some reason, but... I mean, well, The like, thing is, I'm not even convinced that it's above Fantastic Four. That's, yeah, I'm, that's, like, I'm like, tell me objectively that this is, like, net, like that this is any better structured, has any stronger characters, is any less horribly written, and is any less ugly to look at than Fantastic Four. And Fantastic Four even has a rivaling line to Lady, You Are Evil. It's... His biochemistry is off the charts. Oh my god. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? Okay. Alright. Yeah, let's, think... let's, let's put this to bed. Oh, and put us god. to bed. And put us to bed. Oh god. Yeah, alright. Um, I'm glad that... Uh, I'm glad it's over. I'm really glad it's over. The movie, I mean. I mean, I'm like, just never want to see it again. Yeah, I mean, are you ready to review it? Why? Yeah, we're gonna review Suicide Squad. Oh no! Please, sir, I don't have it in me anymore. <laughs> just, just kill me. <laughs> we're doing sausage party next week. Next week's gonna be yes. so much better. Next week's gonna be amazing. I can't wait. I was like, "What are we doing next week?" I'm like drinking coffee until this hangover subsides. Um, oh, we're doing sausage party. I'm so yes. excited. I, we've been waiting for this for months. For seriously a long time i've been so excited for it and it's by all accounts thus far it's at least good so yeah yeah uh so yeah we're gonna review sausage party i don't think we're reviewing anything else as of now we got some great themed episodes that are planned we the the found footage episode is happening i repeat the found footage episode is happening to coincide with blair witch it made it all the more special 
We've also got a, uh, a d- being depressed about the American justice system episode. Yes. Yeah. A, uh, um, a basically, I, I, it, more accurately, it's probably our, should we call it our true crime episode, where we kind of explore the uh, fascination with true crime stories in American pop culture recently through the medium of film and television. So um, things like the Jinx. Um, like making a murderer, um, and I suggested going all the way back to uh, Errol Morris's *The Thin Blue Line*. Um, there's so much to dig into there. Work in the Hunt. Yes, the Hunt. We there's so much, and the uh, 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 another film about a similar uh, hysteria that you had mentioned to me. It was called what was that called? The Indictment, uh, the McMartin Trial. Yes. And uh, yeah, so we got a lot of homework to do, but these are awesome episodes that we're really excited uh, to have in the works, and we hope that uh, that they are as uh, awesome as we're hyping them up to be. I'm sure they will be. They're going to be great. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll try to post the list of movies we were watching beforehand. That's my idea anyway, just so if you want to watch one or two of them as a, as a listen-along guide, you're encouraged to do so. So. I think that's a great idea. And actually, as we plan more of these, we should, yeah, we should, we can increase transparency with stuff like that. Because, I mean, if we're not just being like, oh, well, this is the big movie that's out this weekend, then, you know, it helps with the discussion to have, uh, you know, people follow along on their own as well. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Uh, it was a great show this week. It's going to be, well, it's kind of sucked this week, to be honest. But it's, not, to no fault of ours. We, we did were fine. Great. We were great. Just, just the, the fucking David Ayers. Jared Leto, <laughs> Jared Leto ruined my nightmares. And, but it is going to be a great show next week because we're watching Sausage Party. But as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>